0: Well, we uh, started a series called Mistreated, and we're talking about different reasons why people mistreat us, the things that that we experience, what we go through, how we're supposed to respond. And, you know, I want to talk today that maybe you're in a relationship or you deal with people that you feel mistreated because you feel unappreciated. In other words, that there's almost, you're dealing with a sense of entitlement from them that they don't know how to say, you know, thank you. They don't know how to engage with the things that they need to engage with or, or anything like that. And so you can have that moment, have that experience and just feel mistreated by them. So are you ready to get started? Yep. Yeah, that was like, like 10 of you. But anyway, so grab hold <laughs> of your Bible and say, say this with me. Say, this is my Bible. My Bible. I, have I, have. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I declare this morning, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I'll be taught the Word of God, and I'll never be the same again. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis 13. If you're still learning your way around the Bible, just so you know, there's, there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. The Old Testament is the very first part, it's before Jesus arrived on the earth, and Genesis is the first book of the Bible, the first book in the Old Testament. And so Genesis thirteen, there was a guy named Abram thousands of years ago, and he, God just had this uh, encounter had this encounter with God, and God began to reveal to him the plans that he had for him, the things that he wanted to do in his life, and, and how he fit into that plan and what it was and so and God tells him, he said, you know, in order to bring that to pass, you're going to have to leave what you're comfortable with, leave what you're familiar with. I'm going to take you to this place, and, and God, I'm going to continue to reveal myself to you. Well, he did that, but he took his nephew Lot with him. Nep- uh, Lot's father had passed away, and so Abram took his nephew Lot with him. And, and so we're going to pick up there, Genesis 13, verse 5. And it says, Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle and many tents, but the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks and herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. At that time, Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land. Man, I want Perizzites in my land. Anyway, finally, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any sex of land you want and we will separate. If you want the land to the left then I'll take the land on the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go to the left. Okay, so think about this for just a minute. Abram, out of the goodness of his heart, takes lot with him. They travel together, and God's blessing is upon Abram's life. And they were an agrarian culture, and so the blessing of God looked like this, that they got more sheep. More cattle, more things like that. And so and, and as a result of Lot traveling with Abram, not only was Abram blessed, but Lot was blessed. In other words, it was one of those relationships that because Lot was connected to Abram, he experienced the good hand of God upon his life as well. Now it doesn't mean that God didn't love Lot, but he was he was connected to the place that Abram was going and there was just this favor upon Abram's life. Well, they were so blessed that you know the, the people that were working for him. There was kind of this tension, this this thing that was between them. And so Abram's like, "Man, I don't want strife. We don't want strife." And so you know, you just pick. Now let me just tell you how this should have worked. All right. Very seldom do I tell people how to do their lives. But I want to tell Lot how he should have lived his life right here. If only he were here. But I, I, what he should have done was, was Uncle Man, you you know, you you took me. You took me when when I. I, you know, I, my, my father passed, and so I've journeyed with you. because of your presence, because of your goodness, God's been so good to me. He's been so good to me. And so I don't want to pick the land. You pick the land. You take the best. I'm going to give you the best. Out of, out of because of your goodness and because of my appreciation, because of my gratitude, I want you to have the best. I, I don't want the best for myself. I want you to have it. I want to give it to you. It's It's yours. That's what gratitude looks like. This is what Lot did. It says this. It says, Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zor. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the Garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. So instead of Lot having this mindset of everything that I have is because of you, because of God's blessing upon your life and because I've been able to connect with you, that Lot instead looked at me that, that's the best, I want that. And it really reveals such, such a picture of entitlement, such a picture of that's mine. And when you look at, the, at this whole story of Lot and Abram later on, man, because of the place that Lot chose, he, you know, he, he got as close to Sodom as he could get, which was a wicked city. And it was even because of Abram's intervention that Lot made it out of that place alive when judgment fell upon that city. And not one time in this whole, in this whole encounter, in this whole passage, do we ever see Lot showing appreciation Or gratitude or honor to his uncle. Not one time. We see him putting up with the people around him, getting in conflict with the guy that had been good to him. We see him choosing the best for himself. And we see him being indifferent to God's plan of his life so much so that if his uncle hadn't prayed for him, that he probably wouldn't have escaped what took place in that city either. And not once. Not once does he say thank you. Not once is he grateful. When we think about entitlement, and so many times we you about being mistreated by people that are unappreciated. It's because of the spirit of the sense of entitlement that seems so prevalent in our day. The number one is this, is that ungratefulness leads to entitlement. Not being appreciated, not being grateful can lead to that in our lives and in our world. Being unthankful, not even taking the time to recognize that we should be, creates this sense of expectation on everybody else Not on me, not on my sacrifices, but on theirs, what they should be doing, what they ought to be doing. And on me, it's just, if you're not doing enough for me, then there's no appreciation for any of it. And so number one is this ungratefulness leads to entitlement. Look at number two, if you would, go with me, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians. Now you're in the Old Testament, 1 Thessalonians is all the way over in the New Testament. The New Testament starts with Matthew, and then Mark, Luke, John, Acts, you'll keep going, Romans. First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 5, this was a letter that a guy named Paul wrote to some people in Thessalonica. He was writing this to a church there, and at the end, as he's closing the letter, he's, he's giving them instruction as if you're going to be a Christ follower, this is what your life will look like. The life of Jesus on the inside of you being lived out looks like this. And so he starts out here in verse 15. He said, see that no one pays back evil for evil. In other words, you know, when we hear that, if you have any understanding of who Jesus is and the truths that he gave us, we would understand this sounds like him. Matter of you know, he said this in the Sermon on the Mount. He, he said, you know, you've heard that an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but he said, I say to you, if you're smitten on one cheek, turn and offer the other also. In other words, turn the other cheek. That's from Jesus. You know, if somebody asks you to go a mile with them, go two miles. Go the extra mile. So it just makes sense if we're followers of Jesus that this is what our life looks like. That it looks like that person that won't return evil for evil. That it's not revenge. We don't seek revenge and to get even if we're followers of Jesus. It's just kind of one of those common things about a follower of Christ, what they look like. Then it goes on to say, but always, everybody say always always try to do good to each other and to all people. So one of the things that we as believers should be is we should, we should never pay back evil for evil. We should always try to do good to each other. Then he said this, always, me say always, always, always be joyful. And then he said never stop praying. In other words, a, a common part of our life should be prayer. Now, one of the things I would tell my kids on a regular basis, one of the things I would always tell my kids is to never use the words always. And so, uh, because a lot of times those kind of words, there's always, there's, there's almost always exceptions to them. Did you ever have kids who come to you and go, hey, I'd really like these new pair of shoes. And you're like, why do you want them? Well, all the kids have them. All the kids have them. All the kids have them. So I went over to so-and-so's house. They would have these shoes there. Oh, Dad, you're being ridiculous. And so a lot of times we use, you know, I would be like, you should just use PF flyers. They make you run faster and jump higher. And they were like, what are PF flyers? But but here's one of the few instances where an absolute fits. That for us as Christians, that we should desire to always be joyful. It should be part of who we are. That prayer should be an ongoing thing of our life that we should never stop praying. But then he said this, be thankful, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances. It didn't say for all circumstances. If you're, really, you're going through a really hard place right now, and there's things you're battling with. You may be in for the fight for your life. Well, I'm, I'm just thankful for that. Well, I, okay, but, I, I, you know, like, do I have to be thankful for that? Well, let, let's just say this. Be thankful in it. Not, not necessarily for it. but Be thankful in it. There, there's always some indication of God's goodness in our life, no matter what challenge we're facing. There's always some evidence of what he's done for us, and, and that we have an opportunity to thank him and to be appreciative, no matter what's going through our life. Everything that's taken place may not necessarily be him doing it, but in it, there's some evidence of his presence, some evidence of his goodness in my life. You There at times where well, I'm, I'm just going through a really hard place, I have pressure on my life. I have stress on my life. I remember when my father was sick and I was having to drive back on, on Sunday. As soon as church was over, we would live in New Mexico. I'd hop in the car and I would, I would drive back as, just as fast as I could to Oklahoma. My mom was in the early stages of Alzheimer's. My dad was in ICU. I don't have any brothers or sisters. And then on Wednesday, I would go see him again at the hospital and I would get up and I would drive back to New Mexico and get there just in time to do a youth service on Wednesday night. It went on for several months, man. It was an incredibly hard season of my life. I wasn't really grateful that I was having to do that. But I was thankful that I had people around me that helped me when I was going through that season. I was thankful that God made sure that we had the resources to do the things that we needed to do. But even in this really hard season of my life, the evidence of His goodness was all around me. If I was willing just to look at that, to see the people that loved me, that were for me, to see the fact that I had another day to fight with this and, and to make my way through and to see if I could discover an answer to it. And he said, this? Be thankful in all circumstances. And then he went on to say, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. You know, so many times, you know, as Christians when we're really, really, you know, just wanting to follow his plan, wanting to follow what he wants to do, we're intent on that. We're we're engaged with that. And we may not know what it is that he wants us to do. There have been times, you know, this has been my prayer sometimes, where it's been like, Lord, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. But you do. And And in that prayer, just recognizing that He knows and that I believe that He wants to reveal it to me. Now, now sometimes He doesn't reveal it to me immediately because there's things He's doing in me and things, a work that He's doing in me. And there's other reasons I probably don't even know about. But even in the middle of that, I may not know what His will is for me as far as the next step or regarding what's going on currently or anything like that. But I do know the will of God in any of those situations, even when it's unclear or uncertain, that the one thing that I know is His will is that even in uncertainty, continue to be thankful in uncertainty. Continue to be thankful, even when it feels like the world is kind of falling in on me. And as believers, man, I mean, do we not live in an incredibly broken time? My heart grieves when I turn on the TV. He grieves and I deal with just all this anger. I have to step back and be reminded that that the brokenness that we see is the evidence of how desperately the world needs Jesus. And it needs the followers of Jesus to know that what the world needs is Jesus. But thankfulness, being grateful, should be a common trait of a Christian. That when you think about a few things, that you know, perfection should not be a trait of Christianity, because none of us are that. I mean, I'm certainly not. And you came to church looking for the perfect pastor, this ain't your place. (laughs) But we can love each other. You know, one of the things, one of the evidences that we're followers of Jesus, that the love of God has been given in our hearts, and that this commandment he gives us is that we love each other. Another evidence that we're a follower of Christ is to know that it's always the will of God that even if we are not thankful for every situation, that in every situation, that we can be thankful for some evidence of God's presence in our world. It should be a trait of Christians. We should be known as the people that love people and the people that are always thankful. There's something powerful about it. This is what I love in Acts 16 that Paul had had this dream. And in the dream, he saw a man that said, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now they went over there, and you know, he has this dream. He tells the people around him, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, and the guy named Silas that was traveling with him. Hey, I had this dream. And so Luke even wrote in the book of Acts, we knew that God had called us to go there. So they went there, and you begin to look at some of the names of the people they encounter, and you realize, these are the people that helped be a part of the church at Philippi. But in there somewhere, some people got jealous of Paul and they were angry and upset with what God was doing. And so they had Paul arrested, but not just Paul, they had Silas arrested too. And they were both whipped and beaten and they, they were put in prison. And, and I think about that, what my life would be like had I had a moment where I had this supernatural thing, this spectacular thing where I had this dream and God says, Rick, I want you to go there. I'm like, hey, we're going there. He everybody's like, yeah, let's go there. And we go there and we're arrested and we get whipped. I'm sure people are be like, now, are you sure that was a God dream? Because you had lots of pizza that night, and it could have been Matt speaking to you, not God. But no, that's not what happened. It says that while they were in prison, they prayed and sang praises. In other words, they were giving thanks. And it says this, the prisoners were listening. Now, I thought about that. Why would they be listening? Was it because they were really religious people? Probably in all likelihood that wasn't the case. You know why they were probably listening? Because it was so unfamiliar of a sound in such a setting as that. It had their attention. They'd heard people complain in that situation before. They'd heard them get angry, mad at God, and all of those things. And I'm not saying that that none of us ever had those moments ourselves, but there was just something powerful in that place that was so powerful that the most unfamiliar sound in that prison where people had been experiencing hardship and mistreatment were these two lone voices singing praise and giving thanksgiving that it caused these guys that were not religious people to stop whatever they were doing and lean in and listen. It's an incredible, powerful thing that God gives us to make it part of our companion when we travel, that we're not complainers, but we're grateful. We're thankful. And thankfulness keeps us away from feeling entitled ourself. Number two, if you're taking notes, is this, is that being grateful should be a common trait of a Christian. Let's look at this last one. We'll close. Go with me, if you would, to Luke 17. It's the third book in the New Testament. It's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And, like, if you're new, you know, to the Bible, if you hear the term Gospels like it's in the Gospels, they're talking about either Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, okay? Luke was not a Jew, he was the only one of the Gospels that was not written by a Jewish guy, he was a Gentile, he was a doctor, and so these are eyewitness accounts. And so Luke 17 verse 11, and I'm going to read some of this, and I'm going to give you kind of like cultural context for their day. So it says, as Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, everybody say, at a distance, he stood. They stood at a distance, crying out, "Jesus, Master, have mercy on us!" So, well, a lot of you may know this, but some of you may not. But back then, if you had leprosy, it was un, it was incurable, and so it was it was such a horrible thing, and it was a slow, torturous death. It would it would begin to eat off your your fingers, your nose, your ears, just all of your appendages, and eventually you would die. But, but there was also a concern about it being contagious. So, in the Hebrew community, that if you If you were diagnosed with leprosy, then they would make you leave your family. They would say, you've got to leave your family, you have to leave the community. And they had these little communities that were just people with leprosy went and lived. They were called leper colonies. And they just stayed there and suffered with these people that they didn't know, separated from their families until they died. It was a horrific thing. So when it says that they are hauling at Jesus from a distance... It wasn't because they didn't feel like running towards him or anything like that, that there was a reason why he put that in and let them know that because of the leprosy they had, that the law required them to do that. They couldn't get close to him. If they'd gotten close to him, they would have been breaking the law. And I think Jesus would have been indifferent to that, but they didn't know that. And so they're just trying to, to do what they're supposed to. So let's say, let's say that, 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 that Jesus is here and that they're back there at the sound booth and so they're yelling back at Jesus, they're going, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on us. And then Jesus' response is this: It says that he looked at them and said, "Go show yourself to the priest." So they're like, "Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us." And he goes, "Go show yourself to the priest." And the reason why they did that is because if there ever was a time that somebody was healed of leprosy, they just couldn't enter the community on their own. They'd have to go before the priest, and the priest would examine them and declare, okay, yes, you are healed, you can go back. So this exchange takes place from a distance. And so this was the response. It says, And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. In other words, it didn't happen immediately. They were on their way. They were obeying as they go. I don't know whether it was a gradual thing that it left them as they continued to go or as they turned and went, it all of a sudden went away. But somewhere on the way, they realized that it was gone. And then this happened. It says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back. Everybody say "came came back. Where did he come back? He came back to Jesus. He came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. So so they're all on their way, and they begin to realize as they go, and and again, sometimes details in the Bible are very significant. There's a reason why they do them. And, And it points out that Jesus, when the guy comes back, he says, wait, there were 10 of them, and he said the only one that came back is a Samaritan. Now, the truth of the matter is, is that the Jews and Samaritans had, had conflict for centuries. The Samaritans were, were, kind of, uh, they were kind of a hybrid Jew. When they'd been taken into captivity, they mingled with, um, with people that were not Jewish, and, and so the Jews kind of viewed them as compromisers. And so historically, for centuries, there'd been conflict. When Nehemiah built the wall, it was Samaritans that had given him so much grief. And then there were times that the Jews had given Samaritans so much grief. So when Jesus tells the story of the good Samaritan and the Samaritan is a hero, to some of the Jews around there it's probably like, ugh. And so the Jews, were, they were viewed as, the Hebrews were viewed as children of the covenant. You know, the promised, they, they, they were the promised people. And so, so they go, and yet none of those that were part of the covenant return. And Jesus points out that the Samaritan was one of you guys spies. He's here. He's back. And he says this to him. Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Now, the truth of the matter is that all of them were physically healed. They no longer struggled with leprosy. But, but Jesus was indicating there was something even greater. Here, there was more than just a physical thing that took place. That his faith brought him back to Jesus. There was there was something whole about a person that can be grateful. People that that refuse or there's just something in them that they haven't learned to be thankful, or that's not a part of their character makeup. That we have to understand this. That the reason that, that that the reason why they're that way is that there's something kind of broken in them. That, that somewhere along on there was there was some some scar, some wound that took place, and it was never healed, and so it created this sense of entitlement. This this sense of Owe me. And yet this guy, he brought him back, and Jesus said, Your faith has made you one script, one passage says it's made you whole. Whole, you're you're completely restored. Not just physically, but but you're restored from the other things that were missing in your life. Your thankfulness has done that. Uh, two things I'll say as, as I finish this up, and I've shared them before. One, one is, is that, you notice this, it says, one of them, when he saw the was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. And I've said this before, but it, it just, I have, it's good for me to hear it, so I think it's good for you to hear it. Thankfulness always takes us back to Jesus. If, if you find yourself that you, you're just kind of distanced from him, I'll challenge you after this. A, begin to look around for things in your life to be thankful for and watch as it turns your heart back towards Him. It brings you back to Him. Thankfulness always brings us back to Jesus. This guy says he, as, he, as he returned to Jesus, it, it brought him there. And, and then again, like we, we talked about in the book of Acts and Acts 16, but it's just a testimony to who we are. If you're, if you're taking notes, being grateful is evidence of a healthy soul. If you're dealing with somebody in their life that seems so unappreciative for the things that you do for them, it's it's just whatever you do is never enough. Again, try to help them if you can, but also have some compassion for them from this standpoint. It doesn't mean that that you have to be an enabler on a regular basis. Just have some compassion to realize this. There's something broken in them that needs to be made whole. And if they could ever learn to become thankful and it would take them back to Jesus with this gratitude would begin to grow in them and this awareness of how blessed that we are by the goodness of God. I'm just always blessed by the goodness of God. I I walk around in here sometimes and I see the things like, we have cameras in here and I don't know anything about doing cameras. We have music equipment up here and nobody ever asked me to sing a song. There's so many things around here that are so disconnected with my gifts and talents, but there's no other explanation for it other than it's the goodness of God that's brought it here. I'm just telling you, just stop and look at your life for just a minute. In any storm, in any... And and some of you are battling some real battles that the rest of us have no idea how intense it is. And I want you to know something. I'm not making light of that at all, man. We we need to be praying and and engaging with you. And I understand you're in a hard place. And and I'm not... I don't want to make it sound like it's easy. It's a decision you'll have to make but for those of you, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I wish you could do is just for a moment, just look for the evidence of God's goodness in your life and thank him for those things. I shared this story and I'll close with this. You know, I'm from here, but for 17 years, we lived in New Mexico and, um, and did student ministry there. And for a while there, they had a Quiznos store and they had a sandwich there that I, that I really liked. I'm sure it's going to surprise some of you. But I, I went in there one day, and this um, the guy that was managing, he was behind there, and you know, we were talking, we were engaged, he's making my sandwich, you know, and I'm, I'm trying not to distract him because I want a really good sandwich. And so he um, as as we're going, that he's he's kind of an NFL guy, pro football guy. And I like the NFL okay, but I'm more of a college guy. But so he asked me his playoffs, and I think he was a Raiders fan, and he said, Hey, who's gonna win this Sunday? I think the Raiders and Broncos were playing in the playoffs or something. I I didn't care. And he was for the Raiders, and I'm for the I don't care team. And so, but I said I'll engage him. I said, well, I, I think the Broncos will win. He said, yeah. He's got his Raiders hat on. I said, yeah. He goes, I think the Raiders are going to win. He said, matter of fact, he said, you know what? If the Broncos win next time you're in here, your sandwich is free. And I'm like, well, what do you want from me? Because this kind of feels like gambling. And, I, you know, I mean, it's a, you know, if, I, if I tithe off of it, is it okay? I mean, yeah, you know, I, I don't know how it works. And so, so, um, so I, I left and came back a few weeks later. And, and as I'm there in line, I hadn't thought about that, and I'm getting my sandwich. He comes to catch me. Hey, it's, it's free. I'm like, why? Well, he goes, yeah, you see, yeah, the Broncos won. That was our deal. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I went, and I sat down, and I ate my sandwich. It was just a little better that day than normal. I, I don't know. I can't explain it. So, so I ate it, and then as I'm going out to the car, and I, I got to the car, and I thought, man, I never thanked that dude. And so I stopped. It wasn't a big deal. You know I mean, I'm not, you know, it wasn't like a Mother Teresa. I'm not in Calcutta or anything like that. I'm, I just had a free sandwich, you know. So, so I, I, I got, I went back, into the, went back into the place and said, hey, man, I want to tell you something. Thank you for doing that. You didn't have to do that. We're just having fun. I, Thank you. He said, oh, yeah, no problem. So a couple weeks later, I went back to Quiznos. Apparently, I have a Quiznos problem. But I went back there. And uh, and you know, and I, I went through the line, I'm getting a sandwich, and there's a girl at the cash register and I go up there, she says, oh, this this there's no charge. And so he was almost look, dude, I, I cannot in good conscience keep coming up in here and giving you and if you're gonna give me food for free, not charge me. Because I know me, I'll be in here every day getting free sandwiches. And so <laughs> and, um, and he said, Well, he said I'm I'm gonna charge you next time. And I said, well, Let's not be hasty. No, I so He said I'm <laughs> he said, I'm gonna charge you next time, but he said, I I saw what you did last time. He said, When you when you left, I saw you stop at the car, and he said you came back in and you thanked me. He said, to "Be honest with you." He said, I give out free sandwiches here all the time. He said, "I've never had anybody do that." I thought it's such a simple thing, it's such a simple thing. I, I could have went in there and like read all these scriptures to him, join hands with him. God make this guy a master sandwich maker. <laughs> but let that. Begin with this sandwich that he's making for me. <laughs> Cut the calories in half. You know what I mean? Just all of those things. And I, and I don't think any of those things would have had near the positive impact. they just simply being grateful. Hat on him. I think we lose sight of how it's, it's those simple things that take a decision that reveals something in our heart we don't walk around complaining all the time because it wasn't enough and because you should have done better. But just from a place of gratitude that we see the evidence of God's goodness in our life, especially in places where people aren't used to hearing it, that it gets their attention. Being grateful is evidence of a healthy soul. You can experience all sorts of things from God and, Instead of this part that's missing in you, and there's there's something broken, in there there's just not right. And sometimes it, sometimes I don't feel like being grateful. It, it takes a decision for me to step away from my pain or my disappointment or the circumstantial situation, to step away from it, and to really begin to look and to see where God's hand has been. That it's obvious that it's not my hand. As I begin to notice those things and begin to thank him for those things, it always takes me back to Jesus. And those people in our lives that mistreat us that are never appreciative for the things that you do. Is it okay? No. But let it be evidence of that place in them that's broken. And I said God will open up a door for their heart to be healed so they can be thankful too. I want you to do this. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. And I want you just to take a moment in your life, just where you're at, to just begin to look for some things and for the evidence of God's presence is there. And just there on the inside of you, just begin to be grateful, begin to thank Him for what you see his hand shall know. And, and, and especially if you're in a place where there's, you're faced with a lot of challenges, there's really a lot of things going on that, that they, feel, they may feel beyond your control or beyond your ability to do anything about. It. And, and yet, in this moment, the one thing you can decide to do, and it's, it is I don't know what God's will is. Well, I, can, I don't know what His will is and everything, but I know His will is that in everything, give thanks. Let's just spend a moment with God.